Welcome to Sister Hack. Do you crave candid conversation? And are you curious about how others deal with the details of work, home, family, and everything in between? Well, sisters Hannah and Rachel have conversations about the unspoken dynamics that drive our everyday lives. And we have more in common than you think. So when you listen to Sister Hack, you too can share hacks and laughs that help make this convoluted life a little funnier and a little more clear. So now introducing Hannah and Rachel. Hacky New Year, hackheads. Hacky 2021. We're back, Sister Hacken. I'm Rachel. And I'm Hannah. And we're sisters, and we're the hosts of Sister Hack Podcast. And this is our, how long have we been doing this, Han? Uh, June 2018. I love us for this. I think we're really sticking with it. We're headed through a pandemic. Children, moves, marriages. In fact, it's becoming easier with the Zoom culture. Yes. I'd say so, too. And because of all of you, we always want to thank you guys for listening you know, originally we thought it would just be our mom, and now we know it's our mom and a few others, and that us <laughs> too. <laughs> um, let's not, you know, bring ourselves down. Let's bring ourselves up this new year. And in fact, we're so confident in our product that yes, we are going to start doing mini so mini sods, mini episodes halfway through each month. Um, usually just Hannah and I, where we, uh, connect on different topics and catch up with each other. Since usually in our monthly episodes, we spend so much time with our guests. We think that you guys will really, um, like that and enjoy that. And we're very much looking forward to our January mini-sode where we're going to talk about new year's resolutions and revisit our resolutions from last year and see how we did. So, um, look forward to that. That will be out later this month in January. But to- you heard that right. Mini sods, not many episodes. I didn't want to get our audience too excited. <laughs> many. Yeah, not yeah, mini, mini. not many. <laughs> mini. Yeah, mini. Mm-hmm. Um, before we introduce our guests, we have to keep up with our new tradition of hacky birthday to one of our faithful listeners. And um, this time she usually catches up a little bit uh and listens to a bunch at once so i'm excited for when she finally hears this hacky birthday hacky birthday to ann fenema guest on our very first episode ever june 2018 hacky birthday and you're the best hope you have an awesome birthday this january 21 or whenever you're listening to this um we're super excited we have our final two family members as in our immediate family include, but that including our in-laws, we've, we've interviewed mm-hmm. husbands, our parents, our sisters-in-law, um, and our oldest brother, Peter. Now, Kyle got on, Kyle and Zach got on too. Yeah. Did I say our husbands? Oh, sorry. Forgot okay. about that. <laughs> um, so Andrew, uh, our middle brother and Stephen, our little brother. So if we haven't shared this lately, we have, there's five of us. It's our oldest brother, Peter, who we interviewed um, about his game with his friend, Jason. Hannah is second born. Post. 
host of the show. Host of Sister Hack. Co co host. Co host. Is our middle brother. I'm number four. And Stephen is our little brother. So Hannah, um, we want to introduce our brothers, share just a little bit about them, and then we will launch right into the interview. Yep. And just so everybody knows, the um, episode today is about kind of unconventional career paths. And embedded in that, um, we make them go on uh, the defense or the opposition for common household disagreements that all of you wrote in for on our Instagram page. If you don't follow us already, um, follow us at uh, Sister Hack on Instagram. Sister Hack Podcast. Sister Hack Podcast. She runs the Instagram. Uh, And... (laughs) And we will definitely uh, keep up with stories and stuff like that so you can be involved in the future. So we're going to each introduce our little brother, my little brother. Um, Actually, they're both my little brothers, but the one immediate below me is Andrew. And um, Andrew, a few words to describe him would be monk-like. I was hoping you would say monkish. Monkish, as in he doesn't, you know, socialize much. Um, he is extremely dedicated and focused on whatever the task at hand might be. Um, and also very talented, basically everything he touches turns to gold, including those can, those candy machines when we were kids, like, like he didn't even have a nickel and he would always get a gumball. Not sure how he did it. Um, but, uh, I think you'll really enjoy what he has to say. Yes. And my little brother is Stephen and he hates to be called this. Um, so my dad does it just to irk him, but sweet. He is a sweet, sweet kid. And he is the comic relief of our family where we all are funny in our own ways. In fact, we rank ourselves often on who's funniest to least funniest. Stephen is, is he, he's always number one. Right? Usually, yeah, I'd say on average he wins. He's definitely in the top two, but usually number one. Um, but Stephen is as selfless as they come. He is um, someone who gets along with anyone. He's been a best man five times. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Isn't that crazy for three friends and both of our brothers? Um, so if that doesn't explain him, I don't know what does. But he, he, Andrew, and we'll share more in the podcast, is just starting his career. And Stephen is just starting law school. So without further ado, here are our beloved brothers, Stephen and Andrew. Hey, everyone. We are here with our two guests. Hannah, go ahead and tell them who's here. All right. We have the final family members that have not appeared on Sister Hack before, and that is two of our three brothers. Peter, you already heard from back in September. Um, so this is our brother Andrew and our brother Stephen. Say hi, guys. Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. Where Atomic are you coming to us from? Atomic nuclear family, by the way. Okay. Go this ahead. Andrew speaking, um, for, for those of you listening. I'm coming to you all from New York City, where I just moved to a couple months ago. And this is Stephen, and I am live from my apartment in Denver where I live now. Wow, and Hannah, you're in Austin. I think we have three of the best cities covered in the United States. Now, what about Milan? Milan? I'm in Milan, Michigan, which is just south of Ann Arbor, which is 
city as well, but it's very different from where you all live. You're living that quiet lifestyle. That quiet country life, baby. That's all me. I recently returned home from visiting Andrew um, for a surprise trip that Kyle surprised me with for my birthday. And we went to spend the weekend with Andrew and Steffi and just doing subway things and everything that there is available around him. We happened upon a West Elm and I was like, we're not in Milan anymore. <laughs> well, you, one night I went out there and Rachel had the, the window open and so she could hear the sounds of the city when it's like <laughs> 25 degrees. <laughs> well, I'm a hot sleeper as well. So yeah, we, I just need a little air on my face to fall asleep and I did close it. A little air and a little white noise. A little white noise. All right, Hannah, you launch us off. Sure. So, um, I am assuming that y'all have heard our podcast before. I hope so. Um, and we always start out with a segment called the hack. Yes. And hack knows or hack. Yeah. And, um, today you are both, uh, either in law school or a graduate, a recent graduate of law school. So today we're going to do the hack. Yeses and hack knows of living that law school life. Heck yes. Basically, if you agree with the statement, you say heck yes. If you disagree with the statement, you say heck no. And you, it's up to you if you want to elaborate why are you, why you said that or why you didn't say that. Um, and feel free to disagree with each other. You know, that's part of it. So <laughs> the first one is heck yes or heck no. Create an extremely specific study schedule. Drew, you go first. Elders first. All right. Um, I would say hack no, be, just because of the word extremely. I think you want to have a, a good plan, a good study plan, and you want to make sure that you're going to get to everything that you need to get to. As Stephen knows, and maybe he'll talk about, there's a lot that you have to organize in just one week of classes. It takes a long time just to get through material for one class. So you do have to have discipline. But if you say extremely, then you're going to kind of become maybe overly obsessed, I think. And you don't really allow for other things in your life to happen. And I think that I made that mistake a little bit in my first year where I probably had an extremely strict schedule and uh, I didn't get to do like anything else. I don't think that's the best way to go about it. Mm. I'm also going to say hack no. And that's kind of like one of my New Year's resolution is a more balanced life. For example, I just bought a TV like last semester. That's what I was going to ask. That, is that I why literally only had my bed, a table, and a chair, and my laptop, and that was it. And it was, it got a little, I got a little burnt out around late October. So I'm, I feel like in terms of the study schedule, different classes, different readings take different amount of time. Some people have a cutoff time, like, hey, I'm not going to study past 10 p.m., but for me, it's just whenever I feel I have the material down, whenever I feel I'm dialed in on the material, then that's when I'm done. So it's not like a matter of I'm going to do this class from this time to this time. It's just once I have it all done, once I feel comfortable with it, then I'm good to go. I love that. Intuitive, intuitive study. Great responses. I w- I'm surprised, Andrew, but then you clarified because I think I visited you your first year in law school and I saw no offense, but you kind of have chicken scratch handwriting. And I saw like a chicken scratch handwriting schedule. <laughs> <Yeah. right now. laughs> I guess my answer is, is like 
what you should do, not what I do. <laughs> oh, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, um, uh, and maybe it's like as Stephen just finished his first semester, and like I said, for my first semester, I probably over was over um, strict on my studying. Maybe that's necessary the first semester in law school, just because it's a lot and you have you to want to set the tone everything. like you don't want to you don't want to come into it too like okay I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do all these things and I'm like in Denver everyone's like oh we're gonna go climb mountains and do things like that I wasn't really and I and I did do that once actually so <laughs> 14er how many no it wasn't a 14er it took like 14 minutes it was more of a hike but it was <laughs> cool. I took an Instagram picture on a rock but um what was I think your you have to come into it. You have to come into school, especially the first semester and the second semester of your first year, and you got to be really ready to work. So that's kind of the mindset I took. But now I feel like I need to have a little bit more balance in my life. So that's what I'm kind of focusing on that a little bit. We'll see how it goes. What was your caption for the Instagram? Like lo local people things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. <laughs> I consider that was myself good. a local. Local now. people things. All right. Second one. Hack yes or hack no volunteer answers in class even if you're not 100% sure Stephen you go since you're in a yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go hack yes with strings attached and there's a thing in law school called gunners and those are the people who just raise their hand all the time regardless because they want the teacher to know their name or you know they kind of want to show off and answering in class is quality over quantity but there are times where people just don't know the answer or it's awkwardly silent. And if you think you might know, then you take a stab at it. But you don't want to be the person who tries to answer every single question, who tries to like, maybe if someone got something wrong and they're like, I'd like to clarify, or I'd like to say this, like you don't, you definitely don't want to try to be a show off. So it's quality over quantity. Um, I don't even really remember the question. So I would say sometimes I think it was, what well, can you repeat the question? If you're, answering a question in ah, class yeah. even if you're okay. not 100 percent sure so if you're volunteering to answer i would say hack yes unless you are falling in that category of a gunner which is what you don't want to be that's a, <laughs> that's a negative stereotype in law school yeah i say hack yes also um and i took it in, in law school as sort of one of my weaknesses i think was i didn't always speak up when i felt like i knew the answer and so if I knew something and then another student would respond with the wrong answer or something, then the teacher would be like, no, it's actually this. And I would have the right answer. I'd feel like, oh, I should have, I should have said something. So I tried to make a point of emphasis to volunteer more than what I was used to. Like in undergrad, I don't think I ever spoke once in any of my <laughs> undergrad classes. Um, I think it's good practice too. Even if you, if you feel like you may be wrong, just to work on articulating your thoughts, because that's, a big part of being a lawyer, I think, <laughs> is knowing how to how to speak with confidence. And so just just practicing that I think is a skill in itself. But definitely don't be a gunner. Mm -mm. So you guys said that at Notre Dame too, gunners? Yep. That's that's oh, that's, that's lingo across all law schools. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right, hack yes or hack no. Be ready for a cold call, even if you just recently went. Uh I'll go first. I'll say Heck no. I mean, if we're just talking straight cold calls, which for those of you who don't know, kind of the method in law school is they just call on people randomly. Um, so you got to be kind of ready each day. But if you just got cold called, the odds are you're not going to get cold call again. So you don't need to be ready. It's always good to be ready just for your own, like understanding what's going on in class. But 
I'd say heck no, you don't have to be on your toes again. I'm going to say heck yes. And it's because Andrew and I, ooh, we disagree. We had very different law school experiences because of COVID. So I am only, they split our section into three sections. So on Monday, we have a group of 20 of us who are in class and the other 40 are in line. I think it's polysynchronous or asynchronous or something like that. But when you're in class, there's more of a chance you're going to get cold called potentially a couple of times. Or as Andrew was in classes and you know, if there's 60, 70 people, you're probably only going to get cold on cold call once or twice. So when you're in person, you definitely have to be ready to be cold called, even if you already got called before. And the other thing is online, answering cold calls online is it's terrifying. It's, it's so scary. I don't know why I get nervous every single time on zoom. I get cold called on zoom. So I'm always really focused when I'm on zoom for some reason, it just gets my heart rate going. So Mm. I always try to be really focused, especially when I'm on zoom. So I'm gonna go hack. Yes. If you needed to, you could, you could do the fake freeze. If you needed to buy your yeah, that doesn't work though, because the teacher is in person and they can't even see you. So it's just a matter of, well, now a lot of people, sometimes people do have technical difficulties, but they can't even see you. They just hear you. So when you're in class, you're just hearing the person who's getting. Oh my, that is, yeah. Well, that's kind of, I wish my students would be a little bit more nervous on zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Are they too casual? Oh, you know, you guys are going to laugh. You guys are going to laugh at this one because it's so Hannah. Hack yes or hack no. Mind the bell curve. Be careful who you befriend. <laughs> Take it away. Take it away. I'm going to say hack no. And the reason is, first of all, I don't even know how the curve works. I don't even like really care how the curve works. It's just more of like whatever assignment I get or whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do the best I possibly can. And it's not a matter of, of comparing myself to other people. I actually, I did do, I, I read the questions beforehand. So there's a metaphor I like to use. Have you guys ever watched like the Kentucky Derby? Have you ever seen race horses? Yeah. There's three, there's three races. Yeah. And this is less about like the triple crown, more about the horses, but yeah. they, okay. they wear blinders. And the reason they wear blinders is so that they only see what's in front of them. You don't look to the left or the right. So my mindset is kind of like, don't worry about other things. Just focus on that one assignment and just do as well as I possibly can on that assignment. Don't get tripped up by other people by the curve or things like that. I love that. I saw that in a uh, documentary. Oh, you say documentary. I say documentary. Documentary? No, you don't. Documentary. (laughs) Okay. okay. You say download or download? (laughs) You say finance or finance? <laughs> or the usual Italian or Italian? Italian. I never would say Italian. No. Just don't Andrew, Andrew, do you mind? Did you care who you befriended? Uh, no, I think Stephen had the great answer there. Uh, it's pretty obvious when you can tell the people that are like trying to compare and compete and worried about what everyone else is doing. And that's just really unproductive, I think. And you just make friends with who you would make friends with naturally. And some of those might be the ultra competitive types. Some might be the more laid back types, but there's really no point, like Steven said, in comparing yourself to others. You, it's, you know what's going on, but it's, you're gonna have a much better experience if you're just kind of above that and not, not mm. getting too Yeah. You guys are so level-headed. Uh, do you mind saying hack yes or hack no before your responses? That was a hack no. Thank you. Oh, yeah, hack no. Okay, last one. 
hack yes or hack no. If it's not on the bar, I don't care. Ooh, the hack no. I had to think about how to phrase it. Um, at least when I was in class, when I was in law school, I didn't even know like which classes were going to be on the bar really until like maybe halfway through my third year. I just took the classes that were that I thought were going to be interesting because you're only in law school once and you know a lot of the interesting classes to you or the specific classes aren't going to be on the bar exam uh but it's your only chance to to learn in that area and when you're studying for the bar exam you'll you'll have to learn that material at some point so there's been some benefit in taking a class that's going to be on the bar exam but if it's really you don't have any interest in it I would not take it just because it's going to be on the if you have the chance to take something that you are interested in. Nice. Wow. What about you, Steve? I'm going to say hack no. I'm not quite as qualified as Andrew because your first year you take all the doctrinal classes that are going to be on the bar. So I haven't really had an opportunity to take the electives that aren't on the bar yet. I will say that it is interesting to learn different things and to put certain categories and, and subjects into perspective. I prefer not to be tested on things that aren't going to be on the bar so but in terms of learning the things I think it's important so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say heck no well done brothers you only disagreed on one so um I'd say overall pretty unified responses we're gonna make you disagree later <laughs> you guys are so humble my word <laughs> <laughs> Rachel and I are a little bit more you know <laughs> bragging yeah, seriously I just am in awe right now. I'm flabbergasted. Proud of you. Go ahead, Hannah. Okay, we're going to jump into some other questions. And we did send you those to prepare in advance. So we'll see if you are as eloquent in this section as you were in the first uh, the first. No, we section. didn't send them the question. No, we didn't we send them the hacks or no? Just the hacks, yeah. Next. Yeah, yeah. So this next part, they, didn't, they don't know what we're going to ask them. Mm -hmm. Correct. Keep you on your toes. All right, so this is to both of you and uh, you can answer it how uh, in whatever order you feel. Uh, both of your pathways to become lawyers are similar, yet they're very unique in the context of our large population. Can each of you speak to what caused you to switch from your extreme basketball focus to a completely different realm? Andrew, you go first. Sure. Um, yeah, well, the, the timing, of going to law school had more to do with uh, my wife, Steffi, at the time we were living apart and in different countries. Um, and just, we both had opportunities to come back to the United States. I was in Europe, she was in Mexico at the same time. She was actually applying for a master's degree in, in Europe. If she had gotten that, I probably would have kept playing and gone to law school later. But the decision to go to law school itself was it just felt like something that would fit my personality, kind of something we need to be detailed oriented, uh, kind of persistent. And I just always saw it as kind of like solving a puzzle. So it's not really about the law itself. I guess it's more like, here's a problem. Uh, here's a set of facts. And now you have to try to figure it out. Uh, and that was something that kind of, that appealed to me um, moving into it. And it was kind of like my approach to basketball and that I was really a kind of technical detailed player as opposed to sort of, I don't know, someone who just was kind of naturally gifted or, you know, athletic and could kind of do it without having to, to work at it too much. 
Um, and so I felt like it suited my personality as well. And you actually deferred um, for one year? Before uh, you, right? no, I applied to law school before I went overseas to play basketball. So it was like five years that I, oh, I didn't wow. defer. I just didn't, uh, I, I didn't, I decided not to go after accepted that first year. I went to Europe instead and then came back five years later. Steve, what about you? Yeah. I mean, similarly, I wasn't as, I wasn't very good at basketball, so I wasn't as good as Andrew, so I couldn't play pro, but I always wanted to coach. Well, so you played college basketball, so you were pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was fishing for that compliment, but uh, and you're I always, very strong. I always wanted. I, thank you, and I always wanted to coach, and that was something that I wanted to do, and I did that for a while, and coached in college at Concordia, where I went, coached AAU teams, did individual workouts, things like that. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was something I always wanted to do. I had great experiences. We won a lot. Met a lot of great people. And then towards the end, before my last year coaching, I was kind of like, okay, I did that. Like, I don't think I want to do this forever. Um, it's kind of hard sometimes when your hobby becomes your job. And that's what basketball had become. Like the two had kind of morphed together. So I was ready to take a different path. And like I have in a lot of my life, I kind of started trying to do what Andrew did. So he, I probably wouldn't have gone to law school if he hadn't been to law school because I didn't know anything about it. But I talked to him and I knew he enjoyed it and he told me about it and I was pretty interested. So I started kind of studying for the LSAT placement test and I enjoyed it. And then it's just a really good opportunity. Like it's, it's stimulating, it's challenging and it opens up a lot of opportunities after you graduate. So it just felt like the right step for me. So similar, the background of basketball to law school is similar. The two are completely different. Like my job before is completely different from what I'm doing now, but um, it's been it was, it was fun being a basketball coach and I'm glad I'm in law school. So I feel good about my decision. In total transparency, did you get that uh, metaphor about the blinders from your coaching years? No, I got it. I said from a documentary, remember? Oh, okay. Documentary. So, <laughs> oh yeah, now I remember. <laughs> you guys shared a bit about the timing in between, but talk to us a little bit about the gap years. So from college graduation to where you are now entering law school and just out of law school, what do you regret those gap years? Do you wish you went to law school sooner? Um, and or what was gained from those experiences that helps you now? I don't regret them at all. I mean, those gap years were really, I, 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 liked, I liked law school and I like being a lawyer so far, but those gap years were the, the best years of my, of my life. You know, that was really living my, my dream at that point. Um, so I would not change that, but I, I think they also helped me a lot coming back to law school and, and being a lawyer. And I've, I've heard from, you know, people at, uh, administrators at law school that they like having older people, people who have a little life experience who come back because they are able to be above the fray a little bit of just the pure competition that can happen in law school, sort of when you go right through and you don't have a lot of I don't know, perspective, just about life in general and other things. Um, and so I think that made the law school experience more enjoyable for me and gave me some, some tools to just kind of soak it in and enjoy it and learn as much as I can as opposed to, to trying to sort of use it as a, just a career stepping stone, so. Yeah. yeah. 
And I mean, all things similar to Andrew, like it was a great opportunity to mature and work and be a professional, but also I never wanted to look back and say, what if? Cause like I said, my whole life, I was like, I'm gonna coach basketball, I'm gonna coach basketball, I'm gonna coach basketball. So I did that and now I'll never look back and say, what if I would have done that? Like, what if I would have gone to law school right out and I would have been like, man, I should have coached basketball. Like that's what I wanted to do. So I'm glad I did it. And like I said, I had a lot of fun and great experiences, great people. So no, I don't regret any of it. And I don't think I would have been, I would not have been prepared for law school right out of college. No way. Like I would not have been able to succeed or do that well, I don't think. So the gap years were important for me. So because Stephen, you started, so you're 27 now. So you started when you were 27 and Drew, were you 26 when you started law school? I was also 27. 27, okay. Uh-huh. Well, it's not possible because your birthday's in November. Well, okay. <laughs> A month into law school, he turned 25. No. Didn't you start when you were 27 and then you turned 28 your first year? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. My bad. You finished when you were 30. Yeah. That's quite the birthday present. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it was my half half birthday. 27's all around. (laughs) Okay. um, So on this podcast, we talk a lot about work-life balance and uh, those kinds of things. Is that something that's even feasible for you now in the foreseeable future? And uh, if so, how do you make it work? Um, well, right now I'm not doing a good job of that at all. And it's, it's kind of part of the territory. I mean, it's what everyone told you how it would be when you come to work at sort of a big, big law firm in New York is it takes up a lot of time. Um, and it's something that I came in with and I wanted, wanted to be better at. Honestly, I wanted to set boundaries and be able to set apart time to, you know, to exercise or to, to watch a game or whatever the case may be, but I haven't done a good job of it yet. And part of that is probably me taking on a little too much to start, but you also want to be, uh, you also want to get to know people, especially in this environment where we're working working from home and I don't get to know anybody you know face to face there's not an opportunity to make connections so I probably took on a little more than I originally planned just because of that but it's definitely feasible to be able to make time to have a better work-life balance I mean lawyers do it it's just not what I've done so far so it's something I need to work on (laughs) we appreciate you taking some time for the podcast yeah, I did. I, I, as I told you guys before, I told some lawyers that I'm working with that I'd be unavailable tonight for an hour and a half uh, as I'm doing a podcast. So <laughs> that was clear. I will well, say on the Christmas Zoom for our family, um, you looked like the one who had a newborn baby, not me. <laughs> yeah, I was a little flustered that night because I wasn't expecting to have to to work on Christmas, but I did have to do that this year. Andrew also texted the family, I'll be a little late. And it wasn't for another hour. And we were like, it's in an hour. He's like, oh, well then I won't be late. (laughs) (laughs) Hard to keep track of a lot of things at once. (laughs) I know. What about you, Stephen? Uh, Yeah, it's possible. I I mean, you can absolutely do it. And you just have to plan your time accordingly. Not, you don't want to overly schedule like we talked about before. And I think sleep patterns are a big part of that because a lot of people have the tendency to stay up all night and sleep in and take naps. So I try to, I mean, that's just one little small hack that I use to balance 
balance is just try to get to bed at a good hour and try to wake up at a good hour. So and if I can do that, then I think that I can be productive and make the most out of, out of my day. And um, I can, I can balance my work or my schoolwork and my life. So I think I, I did pretty well at that last semester. Okay. Like I did okay. And I think I can do better at this semester. So looking forward to it. You got this. Okay, you guys, this is our last question for our conversation before we go into our next segment. But we wanted to chat a little bit about your other uncommon commonality that you both have type one diabetes. Mm -hmm. Tell our sister hackers, our hack heads, what this is and how that having diabetes has influenced your pathway from your diagnosis and on. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say Andrew. Andrew gets he, he gets better grades than I do, but I have better blood sugars than he does. So, hey. <laughs> so we're you know consider us even on that front. But um, diabetes. I got diagnosed freshman year of high school when I was like four, 13, 14. Um, um, Twenty seven thirty. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, so that was. Now I've had it over half my life, and I don't really know anything different at this point. And it has, it has also helped me to be more disciplined. Like I have to be disciplined in my lifestyle choices. I have to eat healthy. I have to exercise. Um, it's just in, in a way it's like a silver lining because I have to do that. I can't just sit down and, you know, eat unhealthy all the time. I can't go days without exercising. Like my blood sugars will be all over the place. So in a way it's helped me to be more disciplined. Um, I care about my blood sugars. I want my blood sugars to be good. Like I like going to the doctor and they tell me, Hey, good job. You have good blood sugars. So I mean, I kind of see that as another competition, another area. So it's kind of me, you know, trying to have the best blood sugars possible. And, and like I said, it's helped me maintain a, a healthier lifestyle. So, you know, it has its challenges. It has ups and downs, literally blood sugars, ups and downs, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really get too bogged down by it. I don't let it affect me really. I kind of just mm-hmm. take it day by day, take it in stride and that's it. Would you say when you're at the doctor's office, you're a gunner when it comes to sharing your blood sugar? Absolutely. But I only do teledoc now because we can't go in in person. So mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I like to kind of, I like to kind of flex my knowledge on, on diabetes and my pancreas. And I think my <laughs> Does eating a lot of fish have to do with your blood sugar? Because you were yeah. on a real kick. Well, person. I am. I still am. I'm kind of on a, uh, I come kind of on a no carb thing right now. So kind of oh, trying okay. to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I eat some carbs and sometimes you have to, when your blood sugar goes low, but I eat a lot of fish. I had tilapia for lunch. So that was exciting. And then chicken for dinner. So. Andrew, can, can you share a little bit to what, like explain diabetes a little in your answer? Stephen did a little. Yeah. So diabetes, let's see, it's when your pancreas uh, does not produce insulin. And so all the sugar and insulin is what converts the sugar into whatever, into your body, whatever, you know, that gets converted into. So we don't, we don't have that capabilities when you have diabetes. And so you have to, uh, when you're type one diabetic, you have to um, give yourself insulin, uh, the insulin that you need to convert the sugars. And so, you know, the risks are if you give yourself too much insulin, that you won't have the, the any sugar in your body or, or way too little and you can go to a coma or worse. Or if you give yourself too little insulin, then there's kind of long-term um, potential effects to your organs and other parts of your body. So that's diabetes. Um, 
And yeah, same as Stephen. I think, you know, I've always kind of had traits of being disciplined and, and organized, but having diabetes just kind of strengthened those even more, mm-hmm. I'd say. And, and that uh, carried over to the other, other aspects of my life. And I think made me a harder worker, more disciplined. And those kind of things contributed to, you know, as a basketball player, to becoming a better basketball player. And, and I think ultimately reaching some of my goals and dreams that I mean, who knows if I would have had the same sort of work ethic without diabetes or, or not, but I can definitely say that it helped help me to work as hard as I did. Um, and I, I think it's kind of a badge of honor. It was always kind of fun when, you know, kids or teammates would, would see my diabetes supplies or see me injecting insulin and be just totally thrown off and unaware of what was going on. And I could explain it to them and, you know, kind of see the look on their face of kind of both confusion and sort of, um, I don't know, a little shock at, at what we have to yeah. go each day. And, you know, there's one story where I was in a game, I think we were playing Penn and I, my diabetes pump came off and I had to, in the middle of the game, and I had to throw it to the side and a bunch of kids ran down from the stands and grabbed it like it was. I don't know, you froze. Oh, man. Andrew, you froze. In suspense. <laughs> what did they grab it like? I don't know. <laughs> that's, 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 Sorry. If, if your pump falls like off that. or if it malfunctions, you can, uh, you can call the company and get a replacement. So hopefully he got it back. <laughs> yeah, those aren't cheap. Not at all. Do you know the end of the story, Stephen? Uh, the kids picked up the insulin pump, and then I don't really remember what happened after that. I'm gonna guess they thought it was kind of gross. <laughs> oh, he's coming! He's coming back on. Have you guys had this before? Have you guys had someone freeze on the podcast before? Uh, not really. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the first for us. But I think we're handling it well, don't you, Stephen? Yeah. We can we can kill some airtime. You guys got more questions for me? You want me to continue on diabetes? Can anything? you tell us a little yeah. bit about that section on your Instagram where you share words of wisdom? Oh yeah, I went through a phase. I kind of go through like social media. I kind of try to find a new little niche, and then you know normally crack some jokes. It used to be Twitter. I had Snapchat for a while. I was doing that. Instagram. I'll kind of do some some videos where I, I don't know, just kind of talked about what was going on in my day and people found it entertaining but it's kind of died off now i gotta find something new i don't know maybe tiktok yeah i could oh, see you do dances. dances yeah i, I, I wanted i want to do some dances andrew are you here just on audio he's still coming okay um i will say though i do want to give you guys props because it's true that neither you nor andrew have ever complained about your diabetes and it's just, yeah as a very remarkable uh, remarkable diabetics, if you will. As you're talking about it, I'm just like the positive outlook, but I think that the way that you, you know, view some of those challenges, um, it, it speaks to some of the successes in your life too. Like the way Absolutely. that you, you don't see it as- Can you hear me? Yeah, there he is. <laughs> uh, hello? You well, left a banging man know. on the story. You said you threw your pod and the kids ran after it and then, and then you froze. Oh, my computer just shut off. So I'm on my phone now. Um, but yeah, they, I thought, I mean, they probably thought it was going to be something cool, but it was just my diabetes pod and they were very confused as to what it was, but you know, things like that, I think are, are fun and, you know, interesting. Yeah, totally. And we were giving you guys props too, because never, 
in your 15 years of having diabetes have you complained once? You've always been very optimistic about it. Actually, literally 15 years, you just had your 15 diabetic diagnosis oh, yeah. today. That's right, 15 years. Yeah, and Stephen definitely is is better at it than me. And like, he's talking about his diet. I, I don't do that. I don't do that. I mean, I, I make sure I give myself enough insulin, but I'm not as... Uh, I'm not as strict. Both up strict. Too, so that's be all of our strengths. Um, okay, should I introduce this part? Here? Yeah, we're really excited about this next segment. I, I'm this. You asked me if I get nervous before I do podcasts. I'm a little nervous for this because it's a new thing. It's a new thing Ooh. for us. Um, it's a it's a spin off of a also relatively new segment that we have called Sister Ask. But we had listeners share with us a common debacle debate argument case quarrel if you will and we're going to that pretty much split 50 50 and we're assigning you guys a side to the debate and you have to give a quick argument for either side that they can use now as they have this debate in their home interesting example oh um what's better to listen to in the car podcast or, or, or okay let's say this way. Wait, wait, wait. before you go into it let, let me just oh. let me jump in here real quickly um you get you you just get a, a minute or so to defend it um your position and rachel and i are going to tally silently who we think had the better argument so there will actually be a, a winner at the end there might be a winner for rachel a winner for me but um uh-huh. yeah so we're gonna shake your head He's bar certified. I've only had one semester what? of law school. I mean, and we need to disclose too, this is not legal advice because that would be legal. <laughs> also, Absolutely not. No, it's not. No. Um, so as an example, music is the best thing to listen to in the car. Stephen defends it. Andrew prosecutes. <laughs> Oppose. See okay. The- yeah. That's that's not one we're doing, but that's just an example. That was okay. one that uh, people voted on. That was one people <laughs> voted on, but we picked all the listeners for your participation. We had some great, Thank you. great yeah, we had some great examples. One, one, a personal favorite was is the thumb a finger. <laughs> <laughs> I liked whiter white Christmas lights or colored Christmas lights. Yeah, those are good. Ooh. We got some other ones here though. Okay, so number one, you're going to defend this, Stephen. You're going to oppose this. Got it. Buying secondhand or off-brand instead of new. Mm. Okay. Who's you're first? for it, Drew, and Steve, you're against it. Uh, the 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 defense starts. This is so, the de- defense starts. So that's not how it works in the real <laughs> I don't know. I was on jury <laughs> duty once. Um, so can we just use the terms you're for it, you're against it? Let's not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were, you know, we were trying to use the words, but we're trying to use the lingo, but fine. For and against, that's fine. Um, Andrew's for it, Stephen's against it. Let's start with Andrew. Okay. I am for buying off secondhand off-brand items because they really get the job done the same way that an on-brand item does in most cases. I mean, for the basic things in your house, the things that you use day to day. Uh, you don't need some expensive brand name item, especially when you're just out of college or just starting your new job. There's no reason to waste that money on some big spender item when you can, uh, when you can just collect the things you need and save a little money. 
interesting. Case closed. The, the opposition? I think if you're gonna use something a lot, you might as well get the best possible brand of it. If you're gonna use it a lot, you don't wanna be frustrated all the time. You don't wanna buy a TV that barely works. Or if you eat eggs every day, you don't wanna eat bad eggs that are gross. You might as well eat, eat you know, the, the name brand, the nicest you can possibly get. So if you're gonna use it a lot, you might as well get the highest quality. quality. Otherwise you're probably gonna be frustrated a lot of the time. Mm. The egg, the egg thing that came from mom. She told me if you eat something a lot, then you should get the highest quality of it. <laughs> mom lives in a different world. Also, full disclosure: my entire apartment is furnished by Goodwill, so I'm <laughs> second. Yeah, hand. you would have been better third, for second. Third, hand. fourth, fifth. Hand. And as rich, and as rich on those, we just did a West West Elm spree. So I'm yeah. yeah you're a little bit higher class. That was tonight. ironic. I, th- I I ironically assigned that one. Okay, Hannah, you do the next one. Okay. Stephen is going to defend this one. So you're going to start and Andrew opposes. It matters how the toilet paper goes on the roll and it's pulling them from the front or back. It just matters. So I'm, I'm for that, right? Yeah. You're for it's front, the front. It matters. Okay. It's the front. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a no brainer. I think, I think that's the way most people would use the toilet paper. That seems like the natural motion of the arm to pull down as opposed to pull up um, with your right arm. And when you think about it in public restrooms, they have those, those black covers on the toilet paper, right? Uh And it's, it's meant to pull down. It's not really meant to pull up. So I think that's more of the natural bodily motion is to pull down on the toilet paper so there's no reason to get frustrated and have to pull it up just pull it down (laughs) maybe i'm confused wait pull up or down like pulling toilet paper up you mean like from the front or if it comes from behind from the front or the back yeah oh well that has yeah go ahead drew that doesn't matter at all uh i mean i've been in restrooms and bathrooms where it comes from the front or it comes from the back it has absolutely no effect on your ability to tear off the toilet paper at the most it's a nanosecond of difference if you're used to one way rather than the other i've personally never noticed uh never noticed it or never thought about it until this question is just presented um and i can't imagine that a majority of people honestly would care you'd be surprised that was actually the only duplicate argument well sorry He's Sorry, got to get points off for that, man. What'd you say, Steve? That he's got to get points off for that, man. <laughs> erroneous facts. We're getting <laughs> erroneous facts. Okay. So, Stephen, you agree with this. Call your parents daily as opposed to weekly. And, Andrew, you are opposed to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, especially with technology, how it is in today's day and age, it's so easy. I mean, you just you just open up your phone, and you push two buttons, and you can talk to your parents. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can just be two, three minutes, and you can just check in on them, see how their day's going. They can see how your day's going. It's, it's, it just, it makes sense to be able to be in communication with your parents, and, you know, it can kind of ease their mind about what you're doing in your life, and also, they're very wise. Your parents are very wise. So you can get a lot of wisdom from them, especially if you speak to them on a daily basis. So I think speaking to your parents every day, and like I said, it doesn't have to be long just to check in and uh, just say, hey, how's it going? How's your day going? Thinking about you. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's important to call your parents every day. 
You're gonna make me have to argue that it's not good to talk to <laughs> Do you call do you call you mom and dad every day? Out. You don't you don't check well, in very much. For a year I didn't know that yourself. So the argument is wait, so the question is if it's good to talk to your parents every day. Daily opposed to weekly. Daily as opposed to weekly. So you're average. Oh, well. Just, oh, argue well, why, I mean, just argue why you do it how you do it. I think it's it shouldn't people shouldn't feel obligated to have to call uh, their parents every day. So it might be a good thing, but um, if you're t- speaking to your parents once per week, it makes the call that much more special. You're able to catch up on on everything at once. You kind of look forward to that day. You know it's coming, and it's an exciting time. And, and you don't want the conversation just be mundane or feel like it's uh, sort of checking checking it off the list. Like, oh, I didn't call dad today. I have to do that still. You want it to be like, no, I want to call you. I'm ready to call you. Um, and I think if you if you space out those calls a little bit, that that makes it makes it more special. You guys are so convincing. This is a tough. This is a tight Hello. race right here. We, we got, got two, two more here. Two more. All I right. thought my toilet paper <laughs> wasn't great. Um, you know don't, <laughs> well, you don't didn't understand the concept. That's okay. But it was. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was about because I've never thought about something like that. So, <laughs> okay. Um, sleeping with the thermostat below sixty-eight degrees, Andrew, you agree, Stephen? You're against that. Well, for the for the uh, the cost efficient people here, and in, in, in the winters, um, people living in the north, it's quite expensive to heat your house. If you keep the uh, keep the thermostat a notch lower than you might otherwise, you're not gonna freeze. You're gonna be fine. You have a nice blanket and you save a little a little money at night. And plus you don't wanna wake up sweaty. So a little cooler, you wake up, you're refreshed and you don't have to jump immediately in the shower to get off all the, the perspiration from the night. <laughs> and you, Steve? I say the minuscule amount of money that you save from turning off your heater occasionally in the night to keep it below 68 degrees is not worth when you wake up and it's 20 degrees outside and you're freezing and you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to get under the covers because it's so cold. So I say crank that heat up, you know, sleep comfortably. You can also turn the heat up and turn a fan on. That way you do have a little bit of cool airflow. But then in the night, this is actually what I do. I turn the air or the the fan off. And then when I wake up in the morning, I can just roll right out of bed and be ready to go. I don't have to, you know, be freezing cold and find long sleeves and my bathrobe and, you know, try to warm up for a while. I just, I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm warmed up. So, and I just don't think you, you'd waste that much money on it. It's a two degree difference. I forgot you were a bathrobe guy. Depends on the quality of your apartment. Yeah. I just asked you how many bathrobes you got at the Denver apartment. Just one. I love that that you're a bathroom guy. Okay, last one, you guys. I got a tie going on right now. I got two to two. I don't know what you have. Ooh, tiebreaker. I I've been taking mental notes. Okay. Make the bed no matter what. Stephen defends. Andrew opposes. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have to make your bed, especially in today's era of COVID, work from home, where it's so easy to get in a routine where. You're wearing your pajamas or bathrobe all day. You don't make your bed. You get kind of sloppy. You get kind of slobby. I think you got to wake up every day and you got to be organized and you got to make your bed. You got to brush your teeth. You got to take a shower, take care of your hygiene, take care of your health, put on a nice shirt, 
be clean, be ready to go, even if you're working from home, even if you're studying from home. And I think that's a big step in organization is, is making your bed. So that's, that's just a way to signify the day has started. Okay. So now we're, we're getting into these things where, oh, if you, if you don't make your bed, you're not an organized person. If you don't make your bed, you're going to have an, an unproductive day. And we're trying to make people feel as if they have to do things in order to be sort of at an acceptable level of professionalism or whatever the case may be. Whereas, no, if you don't, if you want to make your bed, make your bed every morning. If you don't want to make it, if you feel like you got a late start to the day, if you feel like you just want to kind of leave it that way, easier access for later on, then you can do that. I don't think there's any, any reason to have to say it's mandatory to wake up and make your bed. Hmm. Wow, you guys. I, think it's a hack. I mean, I think making, I'm, I'm, I'm going back. I think it's a hack in order to help be more productive. You know, I, you know, it's not like it's mandatory. If you make your bed, you're automatically going to be productive. If you don't, you're not going to be yes. productive. But this is sister hack. And I think that's a good way to start your day. Get your day off on the right foot. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, you go for it if you want to do it. But okay, we're done. Not everyone's we're done. No, 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 no. You're done. Final <laughs> argument. Final argument. We're done. I'm going to read I my results. All right, sis, on the count of three, say your winner. Okay. One, One two, two, three, Stephen. Stephen. Oh. <laughs> Just because I liked his heart, Andrew, um, you both did a great job, honestly. Here's what I had. I had Drew winning. Um, I had Drew winning the secondhand versus off-brand. I had Andrew winning the toilet paper thing because Stephen totally didn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had Stephen winning the last three to call your parents. The, the sleep argument, that was a close one, though, and make that argument. You know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter as long as you guys are. That was fun. Yeah, you like that? That was, that was a good addition. My personality <laughs> type doesn't want anyone to lose, and I'm not competitive, so I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's Hannah's the opposite. There will be a winner. There will yeah. be. At all times, there will be a winner. Hannah's like, category, lose. body, mind, spirit. Stephen, one point. <laughs> well thank you guys that's we um, our very last segment and i don't know if rachel came up with any is uh we come up with some hashtags just kind of describing the episode rachel this is on rachel and me but if you have any feel free to jump in your friend andrew jake burnett he tried to come up with some he was not great at it <laughs> uh, i've already thought they were the, the the funniest ones ever but sorry jake <laughs> with two uh over the course of the conversation i was so uh in tune to the conversation it was hard to think but the first one is hashtag yolo you only law school once <laughs> oh that's good andrew i wrote i wrote hashtag don't be a gunner i mm. wrote hashtag number one gunner <laughs> <laughs> i also hashtag based off stephen's um horse analogy Hashtag blinders keepers. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> that, that is creative. I got another one here. Yep. Hashtag starting new at 27. <laughs> <laughs> a couple. All right, I got one more here. Let me hear it. Hashtag don't care about the curves. Parentheses bell curve. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. well, Rich, usually you forget to do that. I know, no usually way. I forget to do it. And I almost, I almost 
dismissed everyone without doing it. Here, I had them right here. Yeah, those were good. You guys are quick, so, quick on your toes. You know, while you guys are out there making money, Hannah and I are making jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Will you sponsor Sister Hack once you get a little bit more money? Yeah, well, I don't. I mean, I don't know. You, you can't. You can't give me. Give me an L and then come asking me for money. That's uh, true. <laughs> want to take out an ad with us. <laughs> that's right. law. I mean, that's not as law form. It's a different. What's it called again? What? Sorry, uh, we can't hear you. Oh, what is your law firm called? Um, Sullivan and Cromwell. We will do a Sullivan and Cromwell ad. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll see what I can do. See if I see if I can get him on board. All right. And for the fifth time, I'm going to try and undo this. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on Sister Hack. We love you. We're proud of you. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sister Hack. For podcast news and updates and some awesome pictures, be sure to follow Hannah and Rachel on Instagram by following at Sister Hack Podcast.